The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Sharon Osgood. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Elizabeth Salta Gerald is a registered nurse with over 10 years experience in the area of spinal cord injury and disease. She is also a board certified wound ostomy and continence nurse. She serves as a member of our armed forces in the Air Force Reserve. Her clinical experience and interest has always been focused within the military and veteran population. Her current position is with James A. Haley, VA Medical Center. To set the foundation for our discussion today, could you please describe a typical bedbound patient that you might see in your practice? So in my practice, I uh, mostly work with our spinal cord injury. Um, and that can mean a, a true spinal cord as in a tetraplegic, a paraplegic, complete and incomplete. And then under the umbrella also we will see our MS patients and ALS. So within the VA system, you still get to have a lot of diversity oh, what is brought boy. to you. Yes, we do. We do. Could you elaborate a little bit about the medical services that are provided to these patients? Sure. Um, We have uh, the interdisciplinary team really consists of uh, obviously the provider, nursing, what we would call a resident care facilitator that is there to intervene for the the veteran. Um, Then we also have kinesiotherapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and restorative nursing in addition to psychology and sometimes even the chaplain it's quite the large team so that everybody has a role that they play depending on the needs of that particular person so in dealing with these patients maybe you could just walk us through some of the challenges that these um, people are facing every day in their lives let me put it to you this way so let's just pretend that Tomorrow you wake up and you cannot, you can't move. You have a niche, you can't scratch it because your arms won't move. You have an appointment, a very important appointment that you know you need to get up and go for, but you can't move and you have to call for help. But you're also hungry. You know you need to take a shower before you go. You can't do any of those things until somebody comes in and helps you with them or does them completely for you. That's my population. So as far as um, equipment and some of the things that might help these um, patients in dealing with these issues, tell me about some of the things that you see and are used in your practice. Well, it goes from, of course, they're, they're wheelchairs. And the wheelchairs are as diverse and different as the patient that sits in them. If you know one wheelchair, you only know one wheelchair. Um, some can be maneuvered with the joystick. If you can move your hand, if you're a para, then you can get around that way. 
Uh, if you're a quad, you have you can either move your wheelchair with your mouth with the through the stick or by movement of your head with two little sensors in the back of your head that you can go left or right or forward. Um, that's one of the things that our guys have available to them in order to be mobile. And mobile they are. Um, they Once they're up and gone, we don't see them until it's time to go to bed. So it's one of the things. For bed-bound patients, however, um, we have what it's called a quad joy, and it's connected oftentimes to their bed. It's able to control the, whether their bed goes up or down. It's, of course, connected to the nurse call light, um, and it's also connected to a monitor, the GitWell network, where they can actually, if they wanted to go into the internet, they can watch movies, they can play games, send emails out, go on Facebook. <laughs> so what are the different types of caregivers that they might be or, or professionals that are interacting with them maybe on a daily or less than daily basis, some of the different specialties? So KT will probably see them uh, two to three times a week. And that's our kinesiotherapist. And the restorative care nurse will see them in between. But that's range of motion. They'll, they'll be in charge of that, um, helping them not necessarily strengthen because physical therapy does that, but help them become more independent with how much they can do for themselves as far as feeding or self-care is brushing their teeth or how much can they do themselves in the shower, um, those kind of things. Uh, physical therapy will help them gain the strength to get to that point. So they're always working together, just not at the same time together. Occupational therapy is there to help assist with any kind of adaptive equipment. Um, I have one of my uh, patients who he actually has a bracelet that has the straw attached to it, to his wrist, and the straw goes all the way into a gallon of water so that if he needs to drink some water, he's not pressing the call light every 15 minutes, I need a drink of water. He just brings his hand to his mouth and the straw's right there. Uh, so there's a lot that's been developed to address some mm -hmm. of the physical needs and challenges mm -hmm. that they have. What about their emotional state? We do have psychology available that follows them. And collaboratively as a team, we meet with that patient every three months to do an interdisciplinary care meeting uh, to ensure or if we're not meeting their goals, and these are patient-driven goals, that um, what can we do, where did we fail, or where did we succeed, and... What do you want to do now? Um, the other area that is, that's involved that I totally forgot about, and that's probably even just as important as any of the others, and that's recre recreational therapy. Because they go out on outings, they play bingo, they have a homeowners association that they're all involved in, so they, they get out. <laughs> so there's a lot, a lot out there yes. for them. Yes. Um, how has the standard of care changed? Because you've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. So from when you first started to looking at where things are now, like what are the biggest changes, the most exciting things you've seen happen for these people? <sighs> the biggest change and probably the most important one is it's not so clinically driven. It's not so, well, the doctor said you have to do this and this is what it's going to be. So you have to do it, period. It's more of... Um, what are you looking to gain from this relationship? 
this professional relationship, this partnership. Um, what is your goal and how can we help you meet that goal? And when we don't, okay, what can we do now to meet it? Or do you still have the same goal even? If we, if we didn't meet it, has your goal changed? Is that why we haven't met the goal? Um, I think that's the biggest change. You highlighted a lot of disciplines that are involved in the care of the bed bound patient. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the clinical considerations that they're addressing? So when you're looking at um, a person that is unable to move, is unable to shift, is unable to do anything, um, even the simplest task of even getting in the chair or in the wheelchair to go somewhere, so you're talking that progression from uh, being bed-bound that affects one's mind. If I was stuck in a room in a, with four walls, I would be going a little batty. So that involves our psychologist or psychiatrist, um, maybe even just the chaplain who's also part of the team. But then when you go, and that's just a simple thing to that you would think of, but then you have me that I'm thinking this person is not moving, this person is incontinent of either one or both urine and stool. I'm thinking, uh, okay, well, what is, the skin is gonna be eventually break down if this continues. Um, I need to know what his nutrition is. So the nutritionist is also involved uh, in making sure that the intake is appropriate for skin integrity. Um, so it's just a, it's a continuum that goes on from one spectrum all the way to the other as to what, who's going to come into play at one point, like a jigsaw puzzle. They all interlock. They all interlock and the puzzle cannot be completed without them. I actually had a veteran come into one of his meetings and when he came in and sat down and saw all the different disciplines around the table, he just said, Wow, it takes all of you just to take care of me? <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> That's great. Um, tell me, what have you found to be like the most pivotal um, interventions that's helped to improve this patient population? All of my veterans will tell you that the technology, the way that we just continuously come up with something new, it's like a new iPhone. Um, just as they get used to one thing, something else improved has come up. And uh, for our bedbound patients, is uh, the ability to be able to take a drink of water without calling anybody, the ability to write an email like one of my guys used to do. He'd write love letters to his wife through his eye gaze. So, yes, yes. And it, it, it's, it's those things that, you know, for him... He told me that having that machine properly calibrated so that he could communicate with his eyes was like breathing. It was that important. How impactful. Mm -hmm. um, well, in closing, how do you see quality of life for the bedbound patient improving even more in the future? I can see that we're just not stopping. And every day we're hoping that we can provide even more independence or autonomy for our patients. Um, we've brought in a system that 
goes right on the mattress of their bed to continuously monitor pressure. And it was meant to actually for nursing staff to give them just a glance as to where, if there was pressure in a certain area, because most of our guys, if they're true quads, they're not gonna feel if there's pressure or if there's, they're laying on something, but RALS or MS might. But this way they could see at a glance, oh, this patient is perfect, he's all in blue, keep going, oh, there's red here, we need to kind of reposition a little bit. And what has happened almost immediately is that nine out of those 10 patients wanted the monitor facing them because they wanted to monitor their pressures. So it gave them, it gave them a little bit of control back in such a small way that we just want to kind of build on that. And I can see that happening. So in a patient like that who has so much dependence mm-hmm. on other people, you would say the focus is to turn that around? Yes, and let them know they still have control. They may not feel like they do at times, but they do. They have all the control, all of it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.